morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Baer's Moving Markets podcast. It's Friday, the 14th of April, and my name is Helen Freer. On today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by our chief economist, David Cole, and I'm going to be getting his thoughts on the CPI and PPI data that came out in the US this week and what this means for the Fed's next move. And after that, I'll be speaking to Manuel Villegas about digital assets. But first up, let's talk about the latest market news. And my colleague, Lucia Chachulovic, is with me this morning to update us on that. So good morning, Lucia. Hi, Helen. So we got some data out of the US yesterday that showed some easing on the inflation front. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yes, so we got the March producer price index out of the US yesterday, which came in weaker than expected. Prices paid by companies declined 0.5% from the previous month. This is particularly good news considering that this index is seen as a leading indicator of consumer inflation. And in addition, yesterday's data also showed that the number of jobless claims increased. Both of these data points bolstered those hopes that the Fed is seeing inflation fall enough to end its interest rate hike campaign in the near future. So that's good news for markets then. How did US stocks perform and have Asian stocks followed suit this morning? So US stocks rallied yesterday. The S&P 500 posted its biggest one-day gain this month, and the tech-heavy Nasdaq had its best day since the middle of March. Asian stocks did follow US stocks higher, and in fact, a gauge of Asia-Pacific stocks was on course for its highest close since February, as major indices gained from Japan to Australia. And then in another sign that interest rates are peaking around the world, Singapore's central bank left its policy settings unchanged after five tightening moves. Okay, now let's leave the equity markets for a moment and turn our attention to bonds. I'm sure that the data out yesterday also had an effect there. So over in bond markets, treasuries actually steadied today after falling yesterday amid improved risk sentiment. The two-year yield, which is considered to be quite sensitive to monetary policy, held within a narrow range of around 3.97% as the market continued to lean towards a quarter-point rate hike in May. More generally, US interest rates have begun a consolidation process that could extend through next week and into the pre-FOMC period of radio silence. Investors are likely to remain cautious of any signs that the regional banking turmoil has translated into materially tighter lending standards across the system. And there was quite a bit of movement in currencies yesterday, right? I saw that the US dollar Swiss franc exchange rate actually dropped below 089 Yes, there was. The US currency weakened against all of its group of 10 peers, and the Bloomberg gauge of the dollar slipped for a fourth day to the lowest level since early February. The euro, meanwhile, extended recent gains, climbing to the strongest in a year, on market expectation that the Fed has just one rate hike left. South Korea's one led gains in Asian currencies. And what about commodities and digital assets? What are the highlights there? So oil is heading for a fourth week of gains amid signs of a tightening global market and a weaker dollar. And gold is also on the rise, on track for a second weekly increase. As for cryptocurrencies, they have seen quite a ride lately. The price of Ether yesterday rising above the 2000 US dollar mark for the first time in eight months, as investors put uncertainty surrounding the long-awaited Shanghai upgrade behind them. Bitcoin is also up, trading above 30,000 US dollar and is on track to end the week up by more than 9%. 
Great. And um, what can we expect for the day ahead, Lucia? What should we be looking out for? So US futures are trading mixed around the zero line as investors turn their attention to the earnings season, which will kick off today. Banks, including JP Morgan, Wells Fargo and Citigroup will report and any management comments on the probability of a recession will be in focus. U.S. economic data include U.S. retail sales, business inventories, industrial production and University of Michigan consumer sentiment. Here in Europe, stocks look set to extend their winning streak today, with most futures trading in the green, with the exception of Switzerland. Data include CPI inflation for several countries, including France and Spain. Great. Thank you very much, Lucia, for the roundup. Now, David, I mentioned it earlier, and Lucia's touched on some of the data that we've had out. Let's start with um, the CPI numbers. What did you make of the figures that came out on Wednesday? Yes, good morning, Helen. So CPI data, yes, there had been some good news. In particular, the headline number had been lower than expected and also lower in overall. And on a monthly figure, it had been just 0.1% increase. So we nearly stagnation. So this is definitely good news. There are other uh, sensitive factors to watch, in particular for the central bank, if uh, the inflation dynamics is still strong. And we found there quite the encouraging results. So outside the energy component, which uh, dropped significantly and which was a drag on CPI, we see also first signs that the shelter component, which had been very, very strong, which contributes to all this service price inflation, which had been in discussion, um, this um, also has not the same inflation dynamic as before. Uh, and when you take out shelter and energy and really concentrate on these uh, topics which are in the center of interest uh, regarding wage price spiral, then here as well, we have seen that inflation is not rising uh, that strongly anymore. This is all on a sequential basis. So months on months or three months on three months. Of course, the focus uh, really when we talk about the inflation figure, uh, then we always look at the yearly comparison. And here we have to acknowledge that uh, the inflation uh, numbers uh, on the, either the headline numbers or the core uh, in inflation number, which uh, is probably the most prominent one for the underlying inflation dynamics, um, they are still too high uh, for the Fed. So bottom line here from the CPI print, but also from the PPI print, the political pressure um, for the central bank to do something about still high inflation it's still there. It has not disappeared completely, although uh, we would say both CPI prints and also the important PPI prints, which is, which is so important for, for the, for the um, pipeline inflation pressure, they signal it, it's moving in the, in the right direction when it comes to inflation, but probably we are not there where the central bank can relax completely. So what are your thoughts then in terms of what this means for the Fed now and, and what they'll do at their next meeting? Yeah, for the inflation print, probably here still the, the pressure is there for the Fed and the money market is just like following uh, all this inflation print, still pricing in um, further another interest rate increase, but just 25%. Uh, and probably the good news that after that, uh, the pause is consensus among financial market participants. So this is uh, definitely a sign that we are very close to the peak of interest rates. Uh, we ourselves think that uh, we can go even further in terms of like optimistic assessment. We think that um, no matter what the Fed does at the next meeting, inflation will come down anyway. Um, 
simply we see that the Fed has not entirely uh, acknowledged this uh, this development. So probably a bit more uh, um, of signs that the restrictive monetary stance which we have reached right now is really affecting the economy. And of course, uh, we will not see uh, another inflation print before the May 3rd FOMC meeting, uh, but we will definitely see uh, more numbers uh, which uh, put some insights uh, regarding the credit creation, credit dynamics, uh, how the banking stress we have seen recently affects uh, credit creation and then also the economy. And here we see some opportunity uh, that the Fed uh, realizes or acknowledges um, that monetary policy is already quite restrictive and will refrain from additional rate hikes. That means we forecast that the peak uh, of interest rates, of policy rates in the U.S., we have reached the peak here. We uh, expect, uh, like narrowly, uh, that the Fed will stay put, that they will stay on hold on the next meeting. But, of course, given uh, all this uh, speculation and all this uh, consensus view here that another rate hike uh, is uh, signaled by the Fed, uh, we think that uh, the, the confidence in this call is rather low. And what we really need is more signs uh, in, the, in the upcoming weeks uh, that the restrictive monetary policy stance is, has its effect on the economy. Great. Thank you very much, David. Manuel, good to have you with us this morning as well. So what has been the key driver of the crypto rally over the last week? Good morning, Helen. And you know, everything seems to be aligned for the asset class at the moment. Positive inflation figures and the related expectations of a reversal in US monetary policy, paired with a sizable short covering of around 150 million short positions and a shallow market death have pushed up prices during past few weeks. Bitcoin in particular profited from its potential to be a future form of gold digital safe haven and ethereum on the other hand received a boost this past wednesday evening after successfully undergoing the shanghai and capella upgrades and as we know it in the space the chapella upgrades you know this is the second uh, successful upgrade ethereum has underwent in the past six months last one was emerged in september just a bit over six months actually and it, it really signals a lot about the network and looking forward to see what, what can happen here. So what's the significance of the, the Shanghai and Capella upgrades then? So, you know, the importance of the upgrades lies on the fact that it marks the completion of Ethereum's transition to a proof-of-stake blockchain. You know, the merge already helped us take the energy consumption down over 99.5%. And these upgrades will enable liquidity for Ethereum validators that have been staking their assets since the end of 2020. No, and liquidity is not granted automatically because validators will have to queue for their turn to unstake their Ether. And overall, the success of the upgrade that aims to reduce the risk validators entail when staking their assets signals that the next in-line upgrade that will address scalability via sharding which is essentially a partitioning of the blockchain into smaller shards, 
or segments to save block space should pave the way for Ethereum cementing its position as the go-to layer one blockchain for smart contract development. And at the time of this writing, the inflation-adjusted staking rewards for the Ethereum blockchain are just above 5.5%, with a total stake supply closing in on 16%. And you know, the, the importance of this is that if we contrast this against other blockchains, we see for Solana and Cardano, inflation-adjusted rewards of negative 1%, and 0.14% respectively. And it's mainly due to the high emissions of new tokens on these blockchains. And if we see the stake supply for either of these two blockchains, we have an average far above 65%. So potentially Ethereum's liquidity risk lowering upgrade can bring forward a much higher share of stake Ether out of total supply. And this will likely be a major signal for accumulation by reducing the active supply. Overall, the success of the upgrade and the vast ecosystem of the Ethereum blockchain should pave the way for Ethereum increasing its market share in the crypto space. Okay, and what are your expectations overall then going forward for the crypto space? So all in all, we see an increasing convergence in the crypto space. We see it towards Bitcoin becoming the go-to payment mechanism within crypto and Ethereum becoming the go-to solution for smart contract developments or the base layer for other rollups to work on. Bitcoin has been underpinning its value proposition as a potential form of future gold as well. While the increasing capacity of the Lightning Network should be the reason why Bitcoin cements its position as a go-to payment solution in crypto. And, you know, the most important thing is for Ethereum that most of the infrastructure is actually built with a lot of compatibility with Ethereum or even built on top of Ethereum. So when we talk about DeFi or NFTs or even some metaverses and tokenization, we normally see, I would say over 50% of the time, some degree of compatibility, if not built on Ethereum. And these fundamental developments are justifying the higher prices. We believe the mood in the crypto markets has become really bullish as of late. And we have to bear in mind that regulation remains a big threat, especially in the United States, where regulators cannot seem to agree on how to regulate the asset class. And the expectations of a rapid reversal in US monetary policy seem somewhat overdone. We just stick to the views we've had on the two assets and looking forward to see what happens. Great. Thank you very much for the update, Manuel. So that's all for today. Thank you to our speakers this morning and thank you all for tuning in. Due to a public holiday in Zurich on Monday, our next Moving Markets podcast will be on Tuesday morning next week. That's the 18th of April. So do join us then when Bernadette will be speaking to some more of our colleagues, including Menzel Pacinci, our Head of Technical Analysis. Have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective, whether it's starting a business preparing for retirement or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. 
Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.